Welcome to the Bounce Podcast. I'm Bob Lapine. We're glad you've joined us. This is episode two of the Bounce Podcast. This podcast is produced by the Great Commission Collective. We are a collection of like-minded churches who partner together to establish healthy elder teams that can plant and build flourishing churches. We want to plant churches and strengthen leaders. That's our call at GCC. And you can find out more about the Great Commission Collective when you go to our website, gccollective.org. The Bounce Podcast is all about developing resiliency for pastors and elders and church staff. Let's be honest with one another. It's hard work to be in full-time pastoral ministry, and we can get knocked down easily, but we've got to figure out how to get back up again when we get knocked down. And that's what this podcast is all about, how we can strengthen leaders so they remain resilient for the work of ministry that God has called them to. And in this episode, we want to talk about marriage, because marriage is foundational to God's plan for human thriving. It's foundational to healthy, strong ministries and churches. And yet a lot of pastors' marriages there are cracks or fissures that need to be addressed. So let's dive into our discussion as Dave Harvey and I talked about why marriage is so foundational, why it's so important, and why it's something that both of us are so passionate about. So we ought to say at the outset that you and I first met, Dave, when we were talking about marriage. You had written the book, when Sinners Say I Do, and we had you as a guest on Family Life Today for an interview for that book, which I remember walking out, not only reading the book, but then doing the interview and thinking, here is somebody who thinks wisely and deeply about the subject of marriage, so much so that when we were doing the Art of Marriage video series, I flew up to Philadelphia and spent a half a day with you, and we videotaped you for that series, and it was, it was pretty clear there's just been a common concern for, passion about, commitment to godly principles in marriage in both of our lives over the years. And God's used you in some great ways through your writing and through your speaking to drive those points home. So as we, we're going to talk about a pastor's marriage today, but listeners just need to know both of us are coming at this from a long number of years together thinking through marriage, talking about marriage, and seeing how vital this is to uh, God's purposes and plans for humanity. And few things have humbled me more than, uh, than being married. I'd say one thing that has is, <laughs> is parenting. <laughs> and, I, and I know that's God's intention, and I'm glad that we're getting a chance to talk about it today. And since this is a, uh, a podcast of the Great Commission Collective, it's important for our listeners to know that I, I exercised, a, what, what should we call it, Bob, a, like a, a presidential prerogative um, <laughs> to, to reverse roles in this podcast with Bob so that I could interview Bob about his marriage book that is being released. Yeah. Uh, and, and the title is Build a Stronger Marriage. The Path to Oneness. Now, this is part of a series uh, named Ask the Christian Counselor that's published by New Growth Press. And, and just, again, full disclosure, I, I was invited to endorse this book. And uh, even fuller disclosure, I'm really glad I was because I want to read to you my endorsement. So this is what my endorsement read. It, it's, here's 
10 descriptors to say why I think build a stronger marriage should be required reading for any couple who wants a lasting marriage. Number one, well-written, clear-eyed, grace-saturated, short and potent chapters, winsomely written, pastorally wise, practically applied, refreshingly honest, surgically relevant, delightfully hopeful. <laughs> wow. Well, you've, you've written a fine book. Well, you're, you're very kind. Those are, those are humbling descriptors to hear. And I don't know if you know the story. I was actually, I, I got an email one day from a mutual friend of ours who is connected with New Growth Press. And he was telling me about the Ask the Christian Counselor series that they were putting together. He said, we would like to do something for marriage, but our goal here is to have a book that a pastor or a mentor couple could sit down with a, a couple that's in anywhere from mild to moderate distress in their marriage. You know, it's like your car is running fine, but there's the wobble or there's the ping or there's just something where you go, it just feels a little off and you need to take it into the shop. He said, we'd like a book that could maybe walk through the marriage relationship and help identify those issues that might be common trouble points in a lot of marriages and point people to what the scriptures teach and to hope. And so in writing this book, I was right in the middle of doing some pastoral counseling with a couple of couples in our community. And I was freshly aware of what were the main issues for them and how common those issues are to so many marriages that it was easy to sit down and just with them fresh on my mind, kind of walk through here are common trouble spots. Let's talk about how we deal with these things. Yeah. So let me ask you about that, Bob, because when I was looking over section two, I realized how relevant that section was for pastors, for their wives. And of course, pastors are counselors. So there's no big epiphany there that it would be relevant. But, but here's just some of the headings. Chapter four, how your past impacts your present. Chapter five, your first family. Chapter six, bringing trauma into marriage. Chapter seven, confronting shame and guilt. Chapter eight, the unexpected wound. So, you know, it's evident as I'm reading through these that you carried a burden into this book to examine how the past shapes our experience and our expectations in marriage. So I'm really intrigued, Bob. Talk about how that idea became so important to you and then what you wanted other people to really hear in that section. Yeah, it became important because increasingly in talking with couples and talking about conflict that was occurring in their marriage, places where they weren't on the same page, they were missing one another, they were misinterpreting one another. So I was talking with couples and realizing that what they were experiencing in the present was really, there were echoes of the past. So let's say a wife grew up in a home and her dad was critical. He said demeaning things to her. He said, you mess up everything you touch and you're, you're no good at this and, and you're never going to amount to anything. And she, she hears that echoes. Then when she's married and her husband says, hey, do you need a hand with that? Now, the husband's thinking, I'm trying to be helpful and it's an innocent comment. But all of a sudden, what she hears when her husband says, do you need a hand with that, is her dad's voice still in the back of her head saying, 
you can't do this by yourself. You're, you're no good at this. You're, you're incompetent. It just triggers some of those old loops in her brain. And she lashes out at her husband and she misinterprets what he just said to her. And her real conflict is with unresolved issues from her relationship with her dad. But she doesn't know that. It's taking her by surprise. She doesn't think her dad's anywhere near this conflict with her husband. And, and so I, I, the burden I felt was to say, we need to understand that when we come into marriage, we come in, you know, we talk about the metaphor of baggage. We bring our baggage with us into our marriage. Well, I would say that in your bag, there are cans of termites that you brought in in the luggage. And some of those termites get out in your marriage and you don't see them. You don't hear them. They're not doing anything, but they're just eating away at foundation and structure in your marriage. And you need to say, wait a sec, my conflict here may be rooted in some of the issues from my past that have been unresolved, and I've just thought this was normal. So my hope with these chapters in section two of the book is to have couples pull back, take a look at how their past events, how their family of origin, trauma they've experienced, issues related to shame and guilt, ways that they have subtly hurt one another and it's never been resolved or addressed, that can be coming back like a little termite that's showing up and eating away at your current marital happiness, and you don't even realize it's connected to something that happened 20 years ago. You know, as I'm listening to you, Bob, I'm remembering that there was a time when I think pastors and many Christian counselors may have been reluctant to explore the past because of the way maybe the world uses the past to exonerate us from responsibility. So, you know, instead of the Genesis 3, it was the woman you gave me, Lord. It, it was the parents you gave me, Lord, or it was the poverty you gave me, or how I've been sinned against. Yeah. And so I've, I'm wondering, how did you, how have you navigated that forward? And how do you think about culpability in light of that? Well, I, I think there are two important things to say there. And one is that, yes, there, there are abuses in terms of how the culture, how modern psychology has framed everything in terms of the past. I mean, it's kind of a famous cliche among counselors. Tell me about your relationship with your mother. Tell me about your relationship with your father. In those situations, there, I think there's a lot that's read back into those relationships that wasn't really there, but we move blame, we locate blame there. That's an unhealthy way to deal with this. And yet we've got to acknowledge that we are shaped and formed by our family of origin. By God's design, we're shaped and formed by our family of origin. And that's got to be a factor in how we understand our own sense of self and who we are and what was God up to in the middle of that. I mean, I, I thought as I was writing this, I thought about the Apostle Paul, and I thought, I wonder how many nightmares he had where he's asleep and he's dreaming about holding coats and Stephen being stoned. And this is Paul as a minister of the gospel, but he's still having these anxiety dreams over his past. And I'm, I'm wondering that because I still have anxiety dreams over issues from my past, right? And he was going to be the object of a lot more abuse in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so for us to think that somehow the past is walled off, hermetically sealed, and it has no impact on our current relationship, I think is just bad anthropology. We're not thinking about human experience enough 
to do that. The other side of that, though, is the issue of blame, as you said. So the question about our past is not who can we blame for our past, but how can our past events give us understanding in our present moment so that we can live rightly before God? So we don't use the past to blame. We use the past to understand and explain without taking away culpability. Yes, I may have had an abusive parent in my past, and that may explain things. Well, I'll tell you about a conversation I had with a counselor friend of mine one time, and he had come to town to do a radio interview, and he had been sick in bed all day. He got up for the radio interview. He said, I've been sleeping all day. I feel terrible. I've just been, he's been physically low. And we talked afterwards, and I said, so if in a time when you are physically depleted and you just, you don't have the strength to be civil, I said, are you still accountable to be civil to other people when you just are sick and you didn't get enough sleep and you've been throwing up all morning and the housekeeping knocks at the door of the hotel and you snap at them? Can't you let yourself off the hook? I mean, you're only human. And he said... No, he said, in, in every situation, no matter how weak, no matter what the, the issues are, you're culpable for how you respond, and God's grace is available to you to respond in a godly way. You can't let yourself off the hook, even if you say, I couldn't help it that I got sick, and I couldn't help it that my mm-hmm. father abused me or whatever else. We have to bear responsibility for our actions and reactions in all of these situations. Yeah. So in examining the past, it's not to locate blame there. It's to bring understanding to how those clouds from the past are still hanging around over some of our present interactions. I remember hearing David Pollison, who at the time was the executive director of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. I remember him saying the past is significant, but not causal. Mm -hmm. And I remember him laying accent on significant and causal. So that sense of, you know, we don't want to move just beyond the word significant to land on the word not causal, but right. recognize its significance in forming and shaping, but don't assign it determinative value. Yeah, that's the word I was going to add to significant, causal, and not determinative. So it it's significant in terms of how it shaped you. It's not causal in terms of the moment, and it's not determinative for your future. You still have agency over the choices you're going to make regardless of what your past experiences were. You're not held hostage. You said it when we sat down to interview on marriage. You said when there's conflict in a marriage, couples want to locate the source of the conflict somewhere outside of them. You know, it's the wife you gave me, it's these circumstances, it's all of this. Said, but James in James chapter four won't let us do that. James says, why are there quarrels and fights among you? It's the passions that are waging war inside of you. And so we have to come back and say, yeah, I've got to locate the source of the conflict inside of me rather than trying to look for an excuse outside of me for what's going on here. Buck, chapter 12 is titled, Without This, Your Marriage Will Make It. What in the world is this? And then tell us why it's so important. Yeah, this in that situation is forgiveness. It's the need to learn how to be great forgivers. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham, I've looked for the source for this quote. I can't find it, but it's all over the internet, so it's got to be true, right? (laughs) She is alleged to have said that a great marriage is the union of two great forgivers. 
And it's absolutely true. Unless we become practiced and skilled in the art of forgiveness, our marriage will not thrive. And the reason it will not thrive is because when sinners say, I do, if you'll pardon me borrowing that title, we're going to, by definition, sin against one another, and we're going to hurt one another. We're going to offend one another. If we don't know how to address those hurts and those acts of being sinned against, either by overlooking an offense, which is one of the biblical options. In fact, it's the primary biblical option. The Bible says it's a man's glory to overlook an offense. Love covers a multitude of sins. So most of the ways that my wife might irritate me or offend me, I choose to overlook and not grudgingly kind of like, okay, I'll put up with this. But I, I choose to say, this is the woman God's given me, and she's a gift to me, and I'm going to embrace that, and I'm going to adjust to that, and I'm going to do it with joy. So that's the overlooking. The other side is sometimes you do have to confront, and when you have to confront, you need to know how to confront, and you confront with the goal of forgiveness and reconciliation in a marriage. If you don't develop that skill, you're not going to thrive in your marriage. I remember hearing Gary Smalley, who wrote a number of books on marriage years ago, he was on Focus on the Family one time, and I was, I was listening. I was driving through Seattle, about to speak at a marriage conference, and Gary Smalley said, we've learned this one thing from the research. We've learned, I'm doing my Gary Smalley impression. <laughs> Here, here's the, from the research, we've learned this one thing. If couples get this thing right, their marriage can thrive. It's this one secret. And I'm going, okay, okay, what is it? He was building it up. He said, it's the ability to resolve conflict. And I thought, well, okay, I should have been able to figure that out. If you can resolve conflict, you can be at peace with one another. If you can't, you're at war with one another. So yeah, if you can figure out how to resolve conflict, which includes forgiveness, that's in essence what every marriage has to figure out if it's going to go the distance. Bob, the, the primary audience for our podcast is pastors, leaders, elders, beginning with the Great Commission Collective and then those friends and others that want to listen in beyond that. Um, I, I'm wondering, do you find that pastors and leaders, church planters, because they work in the world of words and communication, that they can tend to sanitize their unforgiveness and make their bitterness seem more principled? <laughs> I think by nature of the way you're asking the question, we know what the answer to that question is. Of course we do. Of course we know how to massage this and how to put the best face on it and how to spin it when we need to spin it and not call it what it is. I think all of us have a tendency with conflict to say, Christians don't get angry. We get frustrated. We have our Christian words that are just the our, our less less abrasive words that we're using than, than the, the sin words that we might use. And it's healthy for us to, to pull back and let's assign the right words, not because we want to be the word police, but because we want to accurately describe what we're dealing with, what's going on in our own heart here. Let's not try to massage it and make ourselves look and feel better by dumbing down what's going on. I'll give you a great example. I was talking to a friend who had to confront his parents on an issue. And he said, uh, you know, my mom and dad were leaving the house and 
something came up and, and they addressed it. And I quickly had this impulse to want to just slide it away and say, oh, it's not that big a deal. I, no, it didn't bother me that much. And he said, but, but God wouldn't let me do it. I said, well, you know what? That did hurt. And yeah, I, it, it made me mad when you did that. And I'm having to deal with that in my own heart, but it was painful. And I, I just feel like you need to know that we need to be honest about it. And I remember hearing him say that. And I, I was hearing that thinking, I wouldn't want to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be that peace faker that Ken Sandy talked about in his book, The Peacemaker, who just wants to minimize, oh, no, it wasn't that big a deal. Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. And then go home with something half resolved and some lingering hurt in our heart rather than saying, well, let's be honest and let's talk about what this really was and let's make sure that we've addressed it clearly. I think that needs to happen in marriages. I think that needs to happen in all of our interpersonal relationships. And the only way that can happen is we believe the gospel is true. We believe that God forgives our sins. We believe that God is at work transforming us and changing us. And so I can be honest about where I've messed up. I can be honest about what I'm really feeling. I can get this all out in the open and just trust that the Lord is at work in my life, reshaping, reforming, and molding me. And that's where I think the gospel intersects clearly with conflict in marriage or conflict, any kind of interpersonal conflict. Mm, excellent. Well, Bob, I'm going to wrap up with this question. You know, this, this fall we're doing events. Uh, GCC is doing events all around the country for elders and wives, pastors and wives, staff and spouses, just as a way to make an investment in them. In fact, we're giving away your book mm -hmm. as a gift to everyone who attends. But I wanted to get you reflecting on what your hope is for the reader of this book. And maybe you can apply that specifically to, let's say, a leader, uh, a pastor and his wife. What is your hope for a pastor and wife reading your book? I think there are unique challenges that pastors and wives experience in their marriage relationship. There are unique challenges that come with ministry and with shepherding such a large number of people who are under your care. And so I'm really looking forward to being with you and with Trent and Andrea Griffith as we go in and meet with these pastors and elders and wives and have the opportunity to talk about what these unique challenges are. But my hope for the events, my hope for the book is that pastors and wives can acknowledge that marriage is hard. Whenever Marianne and I are doing counseling with couples prior to marriage, I, I say, now, look, you need to understand marriage is going to be harder than you think it's going to be. And Marianne will say, and it's going to be more glorious than you think it's going to be. And I say, yeah, that's true, but it's also going to be harder than you think it will be. And she says, but more glorious. Both of those are true. It will be more glorious and more difficult than you imagine. And I think a lot of pastors and their wives get into marriage. They get blindsided by the fact that they're experiencing the level of marital discord that they're experiencing. It takes them by surprise because they thought if we love each other and we love Jesus and we're serving Jesus, we should be guaranteed a trouble-free marriage. And then they start to have troubles and they go, who can we be honest with about this? Where can we get the help we need? Well, I hope the event will provide the help they need. I hope the book will help them be able to open up to one another about issues that they're experiencing, how their past may be affecting what's going on in their present, or issues of unforgiveness that need to be resolved, or where can they improve? What are the best practices they can apply in marriage that will cause their marriages to thrive? 
because honestly, I, I remember sitting down one time with Josh McDowell. You know that name. He's a well-known apologist, speaker, author. And Josh made a shocking statement. He said, I tell people everywhere I go, my number one priority in life is my ministry. It's more important than anything else to me. My ministry is the most important thing in my life. And everybody pauses kind of going, well, Josh, that's not the right answer. You're not, you're telling them the wrong thing. And then he smiles and he says, and my number one ministry is to my wife. And my number two ministry is to my kids. And he says, and what I have left goes to other people. But if I'm not doing my ministry to my wife and my kids right, I'm not going to have a platform for very long to do ministry to anybody else. And so ministry is my number one priority. My wife is my number one ministry. And I thought, that's a great perspective to have. And I hope these pastors and wives will come away remembering that marriage maintenance has to be a priority if they want church ministry or whatever kind of ministry they're involved with to thrive, they need to take care of their marriages. Well, clearly we think marriage is pretty important. A pastor's marriage is very important. That's why we have these events coming up very soon for pastors and elders and their wives, one in Austin, Texas, one in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and one in Indianapolis. Information's available on the Great Commission Collective website, gccollective.org. Well, my new book has just been released and we thought, okay, so let's do something fun. So we have 10 copies of the book that we're gonna give away, autographed copies, and this is for the first 10 people who will leave a review of The Bounce in the Apple Podcast app. So yes, it's a shameless bribe. If you're one of the first 10 people to review The Bounce in the Apple Podcast app, all 10 reviewers will send you an autographed copy of the book, Build a Stronger Marriage. You know, liking this podcast and leaving a review, it's the best way to help us get the word out about the podcast and help more pastors and more churches. So that's really the goal here is to try to spread the word about the podcast. And in line with that, if you have friends or colleagues who you think would benefit from listening to the conversation you've heard today, be sure to mention this to them, send them a link and invite them to download The Bounce and listen to it. Now on episode three, which comes out here in a couple of weeks, Andy Snyder is gonna be joining us. Andy's a pastor in Austin, Texas. We're gonna talk about what's the difference between having a church that is Bible-centered and a church that is gospel-centered and which of those is right or wrong or how do we think that through? So that's coming up on the next episode, episode three of the Bounce Podcast. I hope you'll join us for that. I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you next time on The Bounce.